0: what's up this is champagne sharks this is uh trevor t for short you can find me on twitter at ricky Rawls, r-i-c-k-y-r-a-w-l-s but primarily if you want to talk to us about the show please go to at champagne sharks at twitter uh that's where we're trying to do most of the show tweeting and i've been trying to wean myself off of um twitter anyway so uh, that's the group account, and uh, that's a better place to start uh, reaching out and DMing and stuff about any ideas you have about the show, and just some quick house cleaning. I'm not sure if this is going to be um a premium or a free episode, but I'm just gonna treat it as if it's a free one until we figure it out because I have like a whole backlog of episodes, and it made me lose track. So. Go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks, $5 a month. You get double the episodes every week, plus access to all the back episodes, which at this point is probably approaching, uh, 50. So you, for the first month, that $5 opens up hours and hours of, um, listening. And if you can't become a patron for whatever reason, or you're already a patron, always remember, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell somebody about the show that's the second best thing you can do. It's always appreciated. And leave a rating or review on iTunes. That helps the show get discovered. And if you don't have an Apple ID or own an Apple product, that's fine. In the show notes, there is a link that shows you how to create an Apple ID and where to go to create the review. And speaking of show notes, always check the show notes. When you are have any questions about the episode, you can go to champagnesharks.com And all the show notes are there. We just set up the domain championsharks.com, And because a lot of times the questions that people ask will oftentimes appear in the show notes. People ask like, what's that link you were talking about? Who's that author? And you know, it'll save some trouble. And with that out of the way, uh, I'd like to introduce my guest or at least let me let him introduce himself.
1: Hey, I'm uh, Joe Virgilito. Thank you so much for having me, Trevor. I really appreciate it. I'm a staff writer uh, for btrtoday.com, and I host the Daily Beat podcast, which is like a daily interview podcast that you were kind enough to come on, so I really appreciate that, and now happy to return the favor. Yeah,
0: I just came on the Daily Beat this week, and it went uh, really well. I really enjoyed it. It was... uh... It was very, um, fun. Uh, tell us some more about BTR today in general, cause this is actually the second thing I've done with BTR. I, uh, helped a girl. Uh, I gave comments to a girl, Taya handling, I think her name was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gave her some comments for an article and that was the first time uh, BTR got on my radar and then, uh, doing your show was the second time. So do you want to just give people a general idea of what BTR is, uh, overall? And then, explain your show specifically you know so kind of go from broad to narrow
1: sure yeah so btr we're uh, relatively small but we're a, a website that focuses a lot on uh, music and a lot of podcasts on different genres of music um we cover pretty uh, closely the indie scene here in new york and there we just have a, a few different divisions we have editorial which is what i do mostly which is uh, writing and as i said we host a lot of podcasts on a lot of different topics But a lot of them are music playlists and music curation playlists. And we also have bands come on and do uh, live studio videos, which are probably our most popular uh, pieces of content. And we just... It's, it's primarily music coverage, but it base it goes off into different things like culture and politics and, and food and so forth. And that's kind of where I come into it is in terms of the politics aspect of it, because I'm not really that much of a music head, but I, I write primarily about uh, you know just political stuff and stuff that's going on on Twitter, because that's where everything exists nowadays. And my podcast is primarily interviews with either writers or researchers, scientific researchers about recent studies that they've done. Uh, focusing mostly on current events or, as I said, recent research and and stuff like that. And uh, usually once a week I'll do sort of a, you know, like a weekly recap of something that happened in the news and I'll just give my two cents on it. And it's a, it's a daily podcast. It's around 15 minutes or so. I toss a song on at the end of it and um, that's pretty much it. It, it kind of goes all over the place, but... It's it's a really great site for um indie music coverage if you're looking for that and I think we do pretty good political coverage. It's not like in-depth reporting, it's more like commentary and then we have a lot of uh other stories outside of that as well, but we kind of we kind of cover a lot of different a pretty wide range of topics.
0: Yeah, also for your podcast being that it's every day, I mean to go super in-depth every day I think would be tough. So I think the 15-minute format is like perfect for a daily podcast and and you know, surprising because as short as it was, I thought when I appeared, we um, got to the meat of things pretty well. I think uh, it ended up being a pretty good, it was surprising my depth that we got into Like when I got off the phone, I was like, wow, I can't believe that was only a half hour.
1: Yeah, I find that happens a lot, especially, I mean, I've been doing this for maybe close to two years, and it's kind of crazy how quickly you can get into something. I think when you're used to kind of talking to people over the phone, and in a way, it's kind of weird. I think the, the fact that it's so, you're so removed, you know, there's not as much, I don't want to say it's not as personal, but the fact that you don't have to, you're just thinking about what the other person is saying, I feel like it's always easier to kind of get more into the meat of things, as you said, like, get to the point and, and what you're trying to discuss and what you're trying to get after
0: yeah and just to let people know i'm going to put the link to joe's podcast in the show notes and i'm also going to give a specific link to the two-part podcast episode we did which was about i guess the easiest way to sum it up is kanye and the cult of the basquiat rapper Yeah, so it's a two-parter. I'll put the links to that, and also check out the back episodes because I've been going through them, and I saw a lot of cool people that I uh, either read or follow on Twitter that you had um, interviewed about a whole array of topics. It's a uh, the breadth was pretty uh, impressive.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that. I'm trying to branch out a little bit more and uh, hitting people up on Twitter. So, and you were one of the people that was most responsive when I when I DM them. So I got to thank you for that as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no problem, no problem. So one of the things we want to talk about i know sports is a big area of interest to you mm-hmm. and how do you feel about what's going on right now with uh, the nfl
1: so you mean the whole national anthem controversy and all that
0: yeah because it seems like it's recently ended up back in uh the news after yeah. kind of dying down for a while
1: yeah it's funny i actually was writing about that today and i think it'll be going up uh next week on our site and i also did an interview with a with a a former professor of mine who teaches a history of football class and he covers media as well. And we talked about it and I'm still kind of, I guess, forming my thoughts, but it's, it's not surprising to see the NFL do this. I think it's in a way kind of predictable. You know, they, they tend to really lean toward the socially conservative when it comes to this type of stuff. They're trying to protect their bottom line. They're trying to protect their image among fans who were outraged with these protests from the beginning And obviously the comments from Donald Trump last year uh, calling players sons of bitches. It's not surprising to see this ruling, but it is frustrating from a standpoint of the NFL seems to kind of get this stuff wrong all the time. Yeah. And I wouldn't really care if I wasn't such a, I love football. It's, It's probably my favorite sport. But the NFL, when it comes to social issues and when it comes to a lot of other issues as well. They just continuously, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. And at a certain point, it's just organizational, either dysfunction or lack of awareness or just misplaced priorities. And, And it gets frustrating as somebody who, I mean, I identify as a progressive and somebody who is all for these protests and, and when they began and when they continued happening to see this is, while it isn't surprising at all, it's still frustrating to me as somebody who watches it on a regular basis.
0: I think a major misstep, and I think that's really gonna bite them in the ass is apparently they didn't even consult, even a perfunctory way, the um, Players Union. No. Yeah, that. so like the Players Union seems to have found out around the same time as everyone else.
1: Yeah, it kind of yeah, the the well I actually just read this story on SI uh, Sports Illustrated and it said that um they the owners all voted on this and it was a long discussion but in the end of it 31 of the owners voted in favor of it and the only vo- the only owner who did not vote in favor of it didn't vote no he just abstained. He's the owner of the San Francisco 49ers but they mentioned how they wanted to the 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 whole the, the owners that gave quotes to this guy who wrote the article for SI said that they wanted to be respectful of the players who didn't want to uh who 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 wanted to you know show some sort of protest during the anthem but the way to really respect the players wouldn't have been to pass it it would have been to you know consult them and what they thought about this and i think if they had there would have been a much longer and different discussion about this than just the rule coming down
0: yeah and you know is that the one that's titled how nfl owners decided on the new anthem policy is that- yeah okay Steve Kerr I, you know he's been pretty vocal he, he ripped him on the, on the national anthem policy but I always find that the NFL has always been this kind of weird hypocritical thing it's like that old school good old boy mentality but mm-hmm On a larger scale, like that Texas football, we're respectable, but we're enjoying watching people maul each other type of cognitive dissonance that I think kind of messes them up. Because the thing that was interesting with the NFL and everything, right? They always seem to have a type of superiority complex to the NBA as far as like character or something, like, you know, with the whole, especially in the Iverson era, where like NBA is this league of like thugs and people with baggy pants or people who. Uh, are posting on social media all day or just have this kind of for lack of better phrase like a a hip hop look and even people in the nba kind of like buy into it like when phil jackson told lebron yeah his people were a posse you know and lebron took offense to that but when you actually look at the private lives of nba people versus like the private behind this seen dysfunction of NFL people the NFL is a way more dysfunctional league mm. and you wonder like where that moral kind of superiority or whatever like there's so much more there's so many more important things to clean up in their backyard than presentation management and superficial optics and bullshit like this that's that's what I find really um interesting interesting about how these owners seem to have such a disconnect between what's going on on the ground and behind the scenes and this image that they're trying to um project. It's it's very, it feels, I know like this is an overused analogy, but I feel like the NFL feels more plantation-ish than a lot of other sports. Like it, like that level of the big house the disconnect, the out of sight, out of mind type of way they seem to treat the players.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it really does have that kind of a feel to it. I was actually, as I mentioned, I was talking to uh, one of my old professors, Rich Hanley, about this, and he said that it's partially because the owners, for the most part, are old rich white guys and they have this and a lot of them you know the the owners of the teams that have been in the league for a long time have this sense of you know this code of honor and whatever but it's very tied to the ideals of the past you know before players had personalities and before there was you know social media where players could communicate with fans and um before players were famous you know it was all about protecting the that's a term that you hear around the nfl is protecting the shield rather than protecting the people that you know play under the shield and nowadays where you see the nba which kind of celebrates its players personalities and their social positions like lebron james coming out and and um this was a few this was a while ago but when he and a bunch of other nba players wore the i can't breathe shirts after eric garner was killed uh by the nypd that was celebrated as as a really uh kind of a watershed moment in sports and if anything like that happened in the nfl i think something actually did a few years ago when mike brown was killed um some players were from the Rams the St. Louis Rams they were in St. Louis at the time which is obviously right around where Ferguson is and they came out I don't remember exactly what they did when they walked out pregame but um, I don't know if they held their fists up or they came out holding hands or whatever it was and, and it was it was celebrated but it was also roundly you know criticized and um, it just seems like the NFL comes down on their players they don't really care about their players as much and that extends beyond social issues I think that you see that in all aspects of the NFL I mean the contract for players are not guaranteed you can see it in terms of the way they deal with player safety and the way they've dealt with the issue of concussion especially over the last 10 years or so they have to Um, really
0: be shamed about it and yeah and what they've done in proportion to the shaming is still incredibly little like
1: yeah They're kind of banking on the fact that people are going to continue tuning in no matter what because people love football that much. And, I mean, to this point, they're correct. And And, and there is a
0: romanticization involving football. There's something kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say conservative or reactionary, but what I would say is a lot of the things that draw people to... A romanticized version of conservatism or a romanticized view of reaction of being reactionary i think a lot of that same stuff people kind of bring to football Like football seems like a throwback to when america was supposedly uh great like, like when men were mm-hmm. men like there's something like there's something progressive seeming about basketball like basketball people are always looking different like like now the basketball players have gone from wearing these boxy ugly country looking suits in the eighties to, uh, wearing like hip hop attire, like Iverson wearing baggy. And now they're like miss of LeBron, they're like fashion place. They look like GQ. They look like GQ, uh, models or hipsters. Like some of the things that like, they wear, like, you know, mm-hmm. tight, tight pink pants and, and multicolored blazers. And like, they're, they're actually very fashion forward. Like you can see an evolution in, um, the personality of the basketball player. And I know David Stern, one of his, innovations was he wanted to make the NBA the equivalent of like Disney World where you have your Goofy, your Mickey, your Donald. Like, you know, you you have your characters and personalities and, you know, like Michael Jordan would be like the Mickey Mouse to Magic Johnson's Donald Duck. You know, he kind of created that model. And I feel like just like how a lot of like uh, Republicans or conservatives are with kind of resisting change. I feel like the NFL has kind of staked that reputation for themselves with the irony being that behind the scenes, they've probably been having a bigger slide into degeneracy than the NBA, despite all its flash and whatever. Like, even when there's trouble at the NBA All-Star Weekends and stuff, it's usually NFL people who are starting it, like the Pac-Man Jones. <laughs> like, like, a friend of mine pointed this out, and I noticed that like a lot of the fucked up stuff that happens at those NBA All-Star Weekends are still NFL people a lot yeah. of times.
1: I didn't even realize that. I I think you're totally right though. When it comes to, um, I think that nowadays celebrating those different personalities has benefited the NBA, and that's why it's growing so exponentially. The the NFL is super regressive. It, it, I mean, it's it's almost it, it's regressive. That's a great so word, regressive. In so many different yeah. ways. Like it's 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 um in terms of the players' social positions, in terms of the way that it obviously it treats player safety. It's, igno- it's ignored the problem of, of concussions and head trauma for so long. I mean, even with its there, there's this funny thing that goes on with social media. You know the NBA has basically made its games you can you can kind of post clips from games on Twitter free use. If you do that with the NFL, the NFL flags it and gets it taken down. Um so even in like these little ways the NFL tries to kind of control its product and control its image and it's it's like you said it's existing on this paradox where there are so many other issues that it really should be focusing on in terms of not only the present but also the future of its sport because i mean this is this is a social issue and you know where it goes from here we don't know but it's not directly threatening to the game as much as player safety and injury like it, head head injuries are that's a direct threat to not only the NFL but also just the sport of football in general because at a certain point people are just going to say we don't want our kids playing football and at a certain point people are going to say and, and you see it happening kind of more and more um people just walking away when they're in their early or mid 20s when they would be theoretically like in the prime of their career saying like this isn't worth it i can do something else and i won't end up you know with cte or, or whatever other brain trauma when i'm you know 50 years old and maybe die a premature death i mean it it, there's just it's like you said there's so many other things that's the primary thing but there are so many other things that it could be focusing on other than this but it's it's the optics of it i think more than anything else
0: yeah and optics management i think and that type of optics control freakery i think it's not even coincidental i think it's actually a direct cause for the the behind-the-scenes dysfunction or messiness, because in in general in life, when you are super control freaky, you often, a lot of times, end up bringing the exact thing that you're trying to avoid bringing bringing about. That's one of the ironies, but I think it's especially so with, like, optics, because, like, for example, if you really, really want to organize a room, like, and not just worry about the optics, but actually organize the room in that it's more conducive to your life and usable and helps you know improve the operation of your day-to-day living you're going to have to let the room get messier before it gets better like you're gonna have to like empty out all the drawers get a bunch of garbage bags and whatever it's like you know the same way in life a lot of times you gotta take one or two steps back to make a quantum Mm -hmm. leap forward and same thing with like you want to really do a deep clean you have to let the room get maybe even get like to total shambles and then you put it back together and now you know where everything is but if you're like one of those people is like i don't even want to let the room get messy I just want it to look good. You know, you're never going to know where anything is. just shoving things in the closet. Soon as like a new thing comes in the room, you just throw it back in the closet. You don't want to take anything out of the drawers or the closet or anything, because if you do do that type of thing to take a look at it, you're going to be making the room temporarily messy. And I think that's like where the NBA is. They want the optics of like a never messy room. And that's just letting a lot of stuff go into the dark places, into the, um, closets into the drawers. And then you get these things like these, um, Ray rice things. And these, Mm -hmm. the other guy who was, I mean, there's so many stories, the, the crimes, the murders, the different types of substance abuses, they, they don't even want to have transparency with themselves. They don't even want to see, they don't even want to know about the mess up high, you know?
1: Yeah, it's true. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Ray Rice thing because that was what uh, sparked the whole change in the quote unquote personal conduct policy. But you talk about transparency. The reason that it was such a problem was because they would, you know, if a player was busted for, you know, whatever, if they were arrested or if they were accused of domestic violence, they would basically be brought before the commissioner. And then the commissioner was a one man. I don't know if it's still set up like I think it is, but he's basically a one man uh, judge and jury for what the suspension's gonna be. And for a while, you know, really before the Ray Rice thing, you know, you would hear about a player, like a, a great example was um, uh, Josh Brown, who was a kicker for the New York Giants. And there's a racial aspect there as well, cause he's a, a white guy. And you know, that there was a whole like, uh, you know, disparity between like, would he have been punished this way if he was black? But he was, I don't know exactly what the record, there was recordings, but he had, uh, there was written uh, record of him abusing his wife his wife complained to police multiple times and he was only suspended for one game. Prior to Ray Rice's, the video of Ray Rice literally hitting his wife in an elevator, before that video was released, he was only suspended for two games. And that was kind of how it was dealt with. You know, it was very quiet. You never heard about it, but it was kind of behind the scenes. And then there were a few that kind of bubbled up. There was another guy, Greg Hardy, who there was just so much evidence. There were pictures of, of the woman that he battered, released the bruises that she had, just reports of it. And it was just kind of crazy. Crazy. And it's like you said, it, it, it's they they sort of wanted to control it as much as possible. But by doing that, in a way, you raise more questions about how, you know, how did the commissioner come to this decision? If, if, if he had uh, used Ray Rice as an example, if he had Ray Rice sit before him and, you know, he knows exactly what happened, you know, he has access to the police reports. He has access to, you know, multiple um, sides of the story. If he had all of that information, you know, how did he come to the decision that two games was appropriate? Which is, I don't know, one I'm not good at fractions, but they play 16 games So that's that's an eighth of the season Um, How did he come to that decision that two games Was appropriate for a guy who knocked his wife Out? He knew all of that before, and he probably Even, it's fair to wonder if he saw The video before it was actually leaked to The public, and it, it's like you said, by creating Those, by trying to control the Image, and trying to, con, by trying to Convey the message that they have everything Under control, that everything's fine, oh yeah The commissioner is dealing with it, you raise More questions about how those decisions are made and it just creates more problems for you not only in the moment but then in the long run because you know how are you going to fix these problems now and I feel like this decision tying it back to the national anthem is they're worried about the optics here in the moment but i don't think they're thinking about anything other than how it makes the owners feel and how it makes the fans who have complained so roundly about it feel they don't i mean i don't know how you can argue that owners give a shit about what the players think at this point i don't know if i'm allowed to curse i'm sorry about that no That's no you no you can't trust me uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's
0: all it's all good v cool. i just think this is so many weird parallels with slavery like just that compound thing is like really creepy you know like just uh when you see them all like huddling around the compound looking at like what the oh the combine you mean the, the sorry, sorry, comp- sorry 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 combine yeah. yeah sorry the combine is uh really creepy too like it's, it that really reminds me of um some slavery optics yeah it's just very transparently so it's it's it's, it's bizarre do you have any uh, final thoughts on athletics and The state of activism. Before we move on to another topic, I mean, I I know the Michael Bennett thing was had a lot of people talking too.
1: What specifically with Michael Bennett? Was that when he was arrested or?
0: Yeah, yeah, he 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 was um arrested, and like some people were kind of thinking that this was kind of a targeting for him becoming recently kind of outspoken. Like that, a lot of people found that it was a little bit strange how. The timing of the incident, because there were a lot of things about the incident some people found a little questionable for it to be like, focused on like this but it's but for them in particular the the nfl with all the stuff that they have been on record not caring about like you know like a lot of roethlisberger stuff and everything their eagerness to kind of suddenly take a hard stance on this was some people found kind of strange
1: yeah i I don't remember the specifics yeah but it 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 makes sense though again i I hate to say this but none of this is really surprising because it's so obvious to see where they pick and choose where they want to come down harshly and where they want to be lenient and you know going back to that Ray Rice and Josh Brown example that's a really good example of when they want to be lenient they can be lenient and push it under the rug and and you know you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger you know that's another situation where you know if he was not a really popular quarterback, would they have dealt with it differently? Would he have been suspended for more time? Would he have lost more money because of it? And I don't know, I, I guess if there's any final thoughts that I have on this, generally speaking, it's, I, I grew up a sports fan. I've always loved football and I, I grew up really just, I, I never questioned my enjoyment of it. And, you know, the older I've gotten and the more stuff comes out about the NFL and the more you realize about what this sport physically does to people. And I mean, you know, stifling people socially As well, at this point, with the anthem decision and so forth, it's harder and harder to come to grips with the fact that I I watch this every week, and I'm not saying that I'm gonna boycott the NFL necessarily, but it's it, it it I guess it's just hard to hard to deal with. Not it's not you know something that I can't get over mentally, but it just stinks to see this happening and and it existing on such a paradox that now me a fan has to deal with, and and I mean you know you deal with it in the way you deal with it, but it's. I guess it just, uh, it just stinks when you have something that you grew up with so closely and, you know, just face all of this, not only face all of the scrutiny, but the scrutiny is, is, is is soup is extremely well-deserved and it needs to be, it needs to be uh, scrutinized. The league needs to come under this kind of examination and we need to ask these questions because what the sport is and what the league has, has been over the last, you know, a uh, decade or so, or more than that, really with the concussion stuff is just, it's a, it's like a bargain you have to make with yourself when you decide I'm going to watch this for entertainment. It's like something that you have to re up with yourself every time you put on a game.
0: I'll be honest. One thing that makes me feel weird about watching football and I didn't watch the last season, but I used to watch the seasons, um, before. And the concussion thing kind of like is, I mean, there's, there's so many things I have to think about with, with football. Cause after really reading about like the CTI stuff. And I was like, even if there is like an allowance to let this national anthem kneeling optics happen, they have a lot of deeper, deeper problems. You went into more of the deeper problems at the beginning of the show, but at the same time too, it makes me wonder like boycotting can kind of feel good. But if, if you're not like a Nielsen family, so you like, say you're, you're, viewing isn't going into the ratings and you're not a um nfl season pass member which i think most people who watch football you know aren't most people just watch it on the regular networks like there's a decent amount of diehards but most people even go go to the bar and watch it watch it um there Mm -hmm. I really wonder how much power like we really have like you know the eyeballs going away like how how much of a difference does that make I mean to me I think like tickets probably really make a difference as far as boycotting and prom you know and those are the people who are probably the most passionate and least likely to stop what they're doing you know I I, yeah that's a good point yeah yeah so I'm really curious what like I know boycotting feels good in a way because at least you know I'm not adding to the problem And I know it probably feels good in that you're training yourself to kind of give up maybe things that you like on principle and that can come in handy later. But I wonder what power we as the average viewer even have to really make the NFL pay.
1: Yeah, that's a really that's a fair question. I think really when it comes down to it, it's only I mean, the NFL and any sports league in general, they traffic in attention, they traffic in keeping our interest on the game and i guess that's really what and and that the only way that you have power through that is turning away in mass if there's a lot of people that turn away at once or decide that like you know what this isn't worth it at once and you know there's gonna have to be something this isn't you know the national anthem thing is not gonna do it because when it comes down to it it's too partisan it's too split down the middle there's gonna have to be something that is really severe and i don't want to go this dark on it but there's gonna have to be like I mean, I, I hate to say it, but like a death or something yeah, really agreed. bad to happen where people are going to have to just, it's got to snap people out of this thing where they, they have to, like I said, like you got to make a bargain with yourself every time you watch football. I don't think most people think about football that way. There's going to have to be some sort of really, I, I, I hate to say it, but it's a horrific incident that kind of snaps people out of that.
0: Somebody who's really beloved in the figure of the past mm. and another thing I hate to say, white, if they're white, it'll really help, but pop up like 10 years from now and be a shadow of themselves. And everyone was like, holy shit, this happened to you in 10 years since you left the league. And it turns out it's because of like CTI and all this other stuff, you know? Like, I feel like if you just get them to just change how they do things in one area, as far as always sweeping things under the rug, maybe mm-hmm. it'll change kinda of that culture from the top down. But yeah, the 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 national anthem is too partisan. Also, like when you throw in the race aspect and the cop aspect, that just and the military aspect that just makes uh too many things happen that cause people to dig in their heels. So I agree. Like something horrific would have to happen. I I also think people have to start looking at alternative ways to hit people's pocketbooks. But I think in our ADD culture. We're not going to do it. And what I mean by that is if the people are able to look up all the major sponsors of the NFL and then maybe like, you know, contact them with an open letter and let them know we're going to be boycotting you unless you put pressure on the NFL. Because I think that scares people more. Like if you boycott actual sponsors and then the sponsors come at the... Um, people themselves because i noticed that happened with several trolley right-wing personalities i can't think of them now but
1: like on fox news and stuff yeah laura ingram
0: yeah yeah laura ingram stuff i i I noticed when just regular people were mad directly at the personalities talking about not seeing them anymore and not watching them they're like aha fuck you you know uh, oh hey triggered much snowflake you know all this kind of bullshit but then when sponsors started speaking up you know they were all i've never seen a laura ingram and several of those other people so contrite and so all that kind of bravado puffing your chest like you know fuck the easily triggered snowflake shit just went straight out the window but i i don't really know if people are willing to do that with the nfl like to take the time look up all the uh, sponsors start doing like a prolonged uh boycott of them
1: I think it's also a harder association with the NFL because I just think it's so baked. The program is so is so baked in that you forget who the sponsors are of the NFL. And it's with Laura Ingram, it's one person and one show where like you can see where the commercials and so forth. But like with the NFL, I know that one of the biggest sponsors of the NFL is Visa. I have a Visa debit card. I can't boycott Visa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just such a bigger organization, and there's not the one I guess personality attached to it that's going to be able to trigger people to do that to to go after the sponsors. But I totally agree. The NFL, if anything, speaks to the NFL more than any more than anything. It's money. And if if it turned out that a majority, let's say it was an overwhelming majority of the fans wanted to let players kneel, and you know if it was an overwhelming majority that it was affecting their bottom line or they felt like it was affecting their bottom line, you can bet that they would not have passed this rule or they would reverse it immediately. You know, it wouldn't. It's not a question of. I, I think there's definitely like we talked about those sort of regressive tendencies and. The, that owners have here but i think when it comes down to it if it's affecting their bottom line they're gonna do whatever is best for their profits and if their profits are telling them that you know oh we need to allow the players to be more vocal and be more socially active and and have a voice and have personality they would let that happen but what they're what they're at least their perception is right now is that that's not the case and that fans are blowing back against the the, the league for not doing anything to this point about these protests
0: and you raise a good point that i aren't with- even think about but you're right the caliber of corporation that advertises on the nfl and the level of integration both in the nfl and in society is such that it does make it a lot harder because like, basically every single car company you know so, so you, you'd you have to like like what is left to buy that doesn't advertise in the nfl like you know uh what what drink company what i mean i don't know if the answer is just to pick like one or two or but then which one or two do you pick and, you know like, like you said like this it's so ingrained in society like you can yeah. probably look around your apartment or just throughout your day-to-day life and so many of the casual choices you make or things you own are related to things that are advertised on the nfl you know mm-hmm. what if what if uh, what about movie companies that advertise during the super bowl are you gonna miss the, the avengers 4 yeah. because Marvel, Marvel uh, advertised in the Super Bowl, it's it gets it gets really tough. I, I the more I think about it, it's probably not a reasonable thing to expect from people. Yeah,
1: the 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 when you realize the scope of the NFL and how many people it reaches every week and every, I mean, not even just through games, but also through like tangential coverage on ESPN and stuff or, or whatever. You know, even if it's not a, a game broadcast, you realize like how broad reaching those sponsors are, like you know Budweiser or I don't know, like whatever fast food company or you know like Visa is a big one yeah those companies are trying to appeal to as many people as possible which is part of the reason why they choose the NFL because it it literally disseminates to millions and millions of people every week and every day really
0: yeah because uh Laura Ingram lost like 12 out of 129 sponsors and I think it was stuff like Hulu, Expedia, Nestle, but those, and Joseph A. Bank, but those are things I think are very easy. I mean, like, if I don't go to Joseph A. Bank, you know, it's like, there's a lot of other places we get suits. Yeah, school. I've been to
1: Joseph A. Bank maybe like twice in my life. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not, exactly. I'm not a regular shopper there. Uh, yeah. Like Nestle, I mean, I'm not I'm not consciously consuming Nestle products even when I have the choice. Like, you know, if I, if I drink a bottle of Nestle water, it's not on purpose. It was like, oh, that was what was available wherever I was
0: yeah and it's like expedia i can use orbit or something else and i'm yeah. sure to get the exact same deal like, like like a lot of this stuff is very hulu i cannot do hulu and i can pirate you know but yeah the, the level of stuff you have to give up to work out the nfl is on a whole different level but um what, what else is in the news that you're finding worth talking about because i know you got to be pretty plugged in doing a daily show
1: well, yeah, I'm on Twitter all the time, and uh, obviously with the Daily Show, I try to keep my ear to well, not the ground, but I guess like my phone screen. And the one thing that I, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I um, was curious about, and I've been talking to people about, I've kind of been having this conversation for a while with people. But Tommy Laren was out. I don't know what city it was in. Was it, oh, it was in uh, Minneapolis, and she got a drink thrown at her by somebody who just you know didn't like her as a personality yeah and it brought up this question and like i said i've kind of been discussing it for a while and it's something that i think is more relevant now than ever just because of the i guess the the newfound prevalence of racism and 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 so forth or or the the newfound i guess awareness of it
0: resurgence maybe or awareness yeah
1: Exactly. Uh, is is how to deal with people who uh, are like Tommy Laren who her whole personality is is basically just being a right wing troll who basically uses she traffics in hate for the sake of gaining fame and popularity and how to deal with these people in public when you see them, because, you know, it, it kind of there's this there's this line of, of trying to be respectful, but also, you know, she doesn't operate with any respect for the people that she's shitting on during her broadcasts and, and casting as less than human beings and so forth so it's just this interesting question and i was curious also what you thought about it too because it's a weird and it, and it's directly tied to race and it's directly tied to i think it, specifically with these situations it's people who like i said traffic in not only hatred but specifically like white supremacy and and dog whistling and that kind of stuff
0: something that really annoys me with tommy tommy Lauren is i mean even by the standards of a lot of these people she's so incredibly um dumb and kind of incompetent (laughs) like i had heard of her for like a while but i didn't actually see her actually do her thing for like a long time until they got she was so prevalent and she was such a household name that I finally broke down and watched her videos and it wasn't the wrongness that bothered me because I kind of went in expecting that, but say what you will about an Ann Coulter or Laura Ingram, but there's a kind of base intelligence there. It might be like a predator, Mm. a predator intelligence. It might be more of a, maybe more of a cleverness. Like I don't think it's any type of wisdom or any, Maybe it's a misused intelligence, like a toxic intelligence. But they're very polished. They speak very well. Like, they broadcast, you know very tight well like ann coulter is like an a-grade troll like she's a z-grade human being you know just basic <laughs> humanity but she's very sharp i would even like read her books just to kind of see like how she pushed buttons and i was i used to be very interested in like in how she did her craft like she can craft a very witty line like she's like the oscar wilde of hate like some of her lines like i have to give it to her like very very good and like when i was trying to study how she does things i was really like she has a kind of talent. Like same thing with like um uh, people like Glenn Beck. Like like Glen Glenn Beck Alex Jones, they're like good broadcasters, good personalities, good, you know, even if you get buffoonish, they kind of have to the craft, same like a Rush Limbaugh, but she's just terrible. She just always sounds flustered, and she's like, well, you know, um, you know, what well, the left says, um, well, uh, they said that, uh, hate is bad, but I say big, trigger, trigger's bad. Yeah. I'm like, like this girl's a kid. She's, yeah, she's really bad. Like, I mean, she's kind of attractive in a conventional way, but i don't think it's so attractive that blast through all her other faults it's i mean i don't know if this really answers your question but it, it's just something that i have to get off my chest i, no, I do I, not I, understand why she's this why she's this big like i don't think her looks merited her t- talent is just very she's just very amateurish she's just a basic amateurish um presenter.
1: No, I I totally agree with you. And I love, first of all, I love the takedown and that imitation was (laughs) terrific, by the way. And the thing with her is you're absolutely right. It's all surface level. She's telling the people that she's talking to, obviously she's telling them what they want to hear. But like you said, it's not in a refined or polished way. And there just doesn't seem to be any legwork. And you kind of see it like, like 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 she's
0: she's she's as nuanced as an Irish slave's meme on Facebook. Like 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 she's just like reading like Facebook memes out loud. I don't yeah. even
1: understand like you can just That's literally what she is, yeah. Yeah, you
0: can go in your racist uncle's Facebook feed and you know, read about six of his memes you know, if you're a white guy and you've gotten like a Tommy Lauren Brock.
1: It's true. Yeah. And it's kind of funny to see the evolution of that and the way that sort of the discourse has gone that way on the right in a lot of ways. And it's weird to see her. She's like the, she is the personification of the right wing, pretty blonde uh pundit who there's no substance but she's just you know saying what the conservatives think is right and pissing off the liberals you know like that's her whole thing it's just it's really just a shtick yeah she might believe this stuff but it's it's not um there isn't any sort of intellectual depth to it not to say that like the the laura ingrams and the yang cultures of the world are any less vile um yeah yeah and they they
0: have no intellectual depth either but at least you can see the craft. So I can see, I can say, yeah. okay, I can see why you were elevated above these uh, these other dummies because at least you say stupid shit in a more polished way. Like she, I don't know. Maybe she seems more relatable by just seeming like a flustered. I think
1: that's part of what it is. I think that the discourse has gotten to the point where you don't need that that polish anymore to appeal to people, especially people that just want to hear uh about how conservatism is this, you know, grand uh thing that upholds the values of society and liberalism is just these triggered snowflakes crying about their feelings and about, you know, people not using pronouns. And it's just you you can hear it in all the buzzwords that she uses. Like she hits on it, she hits on those more than anybody, at least that I can think of off top, you know, like any any sort of right wing pundits. She peppers it she used the word snowflake more than any other Yeah, person that I know, and that that's the type of shit that makes you realize that she is complete. It's all surface. Yeah, she goes for all all the easy. She goes for all the easy dunks. Yeah, she's
0: she's, she's a strange one. But to tie it into your question, I feel weird about the throwing water on her, not because I'm on some uh, West Wing centrist liberal type of respectability above all, and we can't lower the discourse. Like it's not not because I believe that. Because I feel like we're damned if we do, and we're damned if we don't, because. Mm. There was a lot of ignoring these people that was happening, and these people were just building up more and more steam to the point that you couldn't ignore them. Then you went to another extreme. When I say you, I just mean you as in a society, you know. Uh, um, Let me say we. Then we went to another extreme about, okay, since it can't be ignored, let's just profile them. And suddenly, like, these supposedly even keeled or sometimes even fawning profiles were accused of further platforming the people. But then you know if you troll them, then you make them into like martyrs. Like if you throw water on them and do all this stuff. Now, you know, it's like I think to a degree she likes it. Like yeah. she's kind of weapon she's kind of weaponizing it already. And she has that type of blonde 20 something Aryan ideal type of look that I think gets a lot of racists really um riled up and um summons up to like, you know, paternalistic type of sexist uh, uh, instincts, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like like she's a very sympathetic target to a certain type of white guy. And I'm not even sure what the answer is. Like, you know,
1: ignore them, platform them,
0: attack them. It, it just seems like her stature just keeps growing. Yeah,
1: it's, it's such a hard question to me because, you know, the whole idea is like, oh, be respectful and you want to be respectful of people. But I think I kind of said it earlier, like these, the people like Tommy Laren is not, I don't think that the way in which she's garnered fame and attention is a way that's deserving of respect. And I don't think that she's adding to any... She's not adding anything but sort of vitriol to the entire, I mean, political discourse. You know, people like her that sort of traffic in this, I mean, it's hatred, it's dog whistling. She she does it in a way, and I think Ann Coulter, and like you said, Ann Coulter and, and Laura Ingram are better at this. They they do it in a way that they're able to defend themselves, and they're able to say like, no, how could you say that was racist? You know, I was just speaking about society and like that type of stuff. And yeah. I think it's, it's the type of stuff that you know it's racist when they're saying it, but you can't say specifically like, oh, you didn't say you know you didn't use a specific word or for you know what i mean and it's yeah it's it's hard because the people that you want to be respectful of all opinions and you want to like you know quote unquote respectful discourse but if you're not dealing honestly and respectfully from your own perspective if you're not from basically just like from the start of it if if you're going at something trying to be a troll or trying to uh, push an agenda that is based in hatred or the supremacy of a specific race yeah I don't feel like you deserve the general respect that you would give to a regular news person or somebody who at least is willing to come at it from a point of just not just not abject hatred for other for people that aren't the same color as you and i feel like that's so transparent no pun intended talking about like white women pundits but like <laughs> <laughs> it's just so transparent with these people and i don't know like it's 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 hard to deal with because I, I don't think that i would ever throw a drink at anybody anyway like even if they did something shitty to me i don't think that i would do that but i also don't i don't necessarily condone it in this case i don't think that it's cool but i think that Publicly shaming people who's who have have gotten rich and famous off of off of like vitriolic content the way that she does I don't think there's I don't see a real problem with I mean I see the problems but I don't think that it's unwarranted
0: Yeah and also if you're gonna do it at least this is gonna be very paradoxical and probably hypocritical but if you are gonna do it don't miss like you know I don't think you should do it but you're gonna (laughs) do it you know because because they're missing too many of these from you know they're missing pies. They tried to do a pie at Ann Coulter and missed, like, by a mile. And, I mean, uh, George Bush, like, dodged two shoes. You know, he did the zig and the zag. And this thing didn't look like it even hit Tommy Lauren at all. Or she it did. She didn't even react. It, yeah. It looked like it totally it totally missed her. So it was like, you gotta make it I'm not sure it should be done. And But if you're going to do it, then, you know, make sure your aim is true. The the, <laughs> the What I think really has to be done is that I feel like a lot of times the left or liberals, i guess mostly liberals centrists, don't really have message outside of we're not republicans right whereas um the right doesn't really need to have more of a message because being that what they're trying to do is just preserve the way things are Mm -hmm. by just just not being the people of progress is enough to automatically have the upper hand in the argument whereas if you're supposed to be progressive like you're is right there in the word progress you have to To win, you have to kind of articulate a actual vision of progress. And I feel like because they're on the ropes, the Democrats are afraid of articulating anything too explicit as far as a vision of progress because they're afraid of getting punched on it, beat up on it, uh, not being able to articulate it well, alienating even more of those fence sitters or people who liked Obama's like blandness and post-racialness, you know, and all that stuff. So it's like they're kind of trying to fight with like one arm tied behind their back. And it kind of creates, to me, this climate where they're just constantly either reacting or playing by the right rules of engagement or letting them not set the rules of engagement. And this constant reacting or um, getting outraged or trying to enter these debates with them and stuff leads to this kind of water throwing thing. Like, you know, like if you had another outlet, like for example, there could be somebody making a very strong case for, socialism even if it's a democratic type of socialism right and they won't really do that and they'll let tommy lauren and those people just kind of keep painting socialism and communism like like these people want to create 1984 and they'll leave that alone and instead they'll attack her tone about how she says something racist or something and you know instead of doing that why not really try to sell people on the socialism thing about government and how government helps people like be about something like risk being wrong But they kind of go for the easy optics civility stuff because that's something that at least everybody can agree on. But the problem is they don't want to be seen as civil. So it doesn't work. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, everything when it comes to... Left wing media and I'm I'm a part of it. You know, I do this all the time. Yeah, reacting to things that are offensive or upsetting or or uh, disgusting when it comes to like the behavior of either right wing politicians or pundits or whoever. And you're right. Part of that is because there is no no one's really willing to go out on that limb. And like you said, be wrong. And, and be put themselves in a position where they can be, um, you know, where, where they set the discourse. Whereas I think the right just puts that stuff out there. And they put, and, and I also agree with what you said in terms of, they it's more homogenized and it's easier for them to kind of glom on to each other and identify because they're it feels like Democrats generally speaking and liberals you know they want to appeal to everybody's sensibilities whereas the right is just like all right get with it or drown like you know if you're not with what's going on in terms of the discourse like then you're whatever they're just gonna keep doing it no matter what they don't care about that and I think that and something something interesting about
0: um what you said but the right like homogenized um, look at those never Trumpers like for all all that vitriol, it turns out they really just didn't like Trump because they thought he couldn't win. As soon as he, um, one, like, you know, yeah. suddenly they're all back to talking about snowflakes and exactly. liberals and, you know, so apparently didn't bother him that much. But I'm, I'm sorry, I cut off your point.
1: No, no, no. I, I think that's a great point. Like, you know, Trump's approval rating within the Republican Party is something like 90 some. It's 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 upwards of 90%. And, you know, talking about never-Trumpers, that's just another, you know, th- they're willing to do it in certain situations. But when it comes down to it, it all kind of congeals together. And, you know, it, it's it's more of a homogenized thing when it comes to social positions and 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 I guess policy to some degree, but when it, you know, it's... They all agree who should be on top and who should be exactly. in the bottom. Exactly, yeah. There, there's a tacit agreement, whether it's, whether it's explicitly spoken or not, that, you know, this is the way things should be and this is doing things for the right way, whereas on the left you see all of this sort of back and forth between the more centrist liberals and then obviously the super progressive and everybody in between, and that's directly because the i i mean this is my opinion but I, I think it's directly because the party leadership of the democrats has always been sort of trying to please both sides rather than going directly for what it thinks is right or maybe it thinks that that centrism is right maybe that's what it sees as the correct way to do things you know i
0: mean but the one thing about um uh, bernie sanders whether you like him or dislike him he did at least he at least was willing to try to be like Wrong, because I, I feel like a lot of centrists are afraid to overtly commit or name anything they do for fear of you know once you name it or believe it anything too tangible you open it to attack whereas you leave everything kind of vague and gaseous and ephemeral you know you can't really create a compelling vision behind it but there's nothing to attack either so you're so it's a thing of safety and Bernie Sanders was you know pretty willing to just ride on socialism you know and just be mm-hmm. unabashedly um. Socialist, and even though he ended up losing, the fact that he got as far as he did, I thought was a good thing, and that it showed that you know you can believe in something and still not alienate a lot of the people that think you think you're gonna alienate. You know. Yeah,
1: you can empower the people that actually believe in what you're. Talking about and even if it's not a full Belief even if it's not agreeing with you on Every single point it's agreement on certain Things and then you can sort of break from it In different places but that's that's A great point like he really stood for something and It resonated with people whereas like Hillary Clinton you know what did she stand For she was very malleable on a lot of different things Especially after Bernie sort of pushed her to the Brink in terms of the primary she was Very willing to kind of take on His the policies that a few weeks Prior she had been demonizing and and, you know Calling him out for and um You know, not to turn this into a criticism of Hillary Clinton, because I I feel like I always kind of, whenever I have political discussions about like Democrats and liberal discourse, it always ends up bashing her. But yeah, I think that the leadership of it in general and just, it's funny because, you know, talking about, Right wing personalities and sensibilities And so forth it's ironic because And I wrote about this kind of recently on BTR Today uh, you know they weaponize The term you know one of the things that they use Like snowflakes and triggers and stuff is Identity politics and they've sort of used that As a term that they have weaponized but In creating this sort of I can't think of Another word but homogenized movement And it's social and political and so forth That's conservative if you're a conservative That's an identity that's the same It's used in the same way and And they use identity politics as they They've defined it in the same way that they claim. I don't know. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter activists use it, or LGBT yep. activists use it. They use it in the same exact way.
0: They have their own. They have their own jargon. Yeah. They have this willing to ca- willingness to defend to defer to. People's identity as a reason why they should get the mic or get the spotlight. You know, you know. For example, like they'll be, they'll say, oh, you know, oh, it's so reverse racism. Say that, you know, only black people have a right to talk about racism, or that they have a higher t- right to talk about racism. But then, when you accuse somebody like non-white or of question of a questionable ethnicity of being like, you know, racist or anti-black, they'll be like, oh, so you're saying Ben Shapiro, a Jew, is is a white supremacist? Hmm, that's funny. That that you know. Yeah. uh or, or they'll be like well i'll have you know uh sheriff clark is black you know so how can he be um anti-black sounds like a racist of you you know to call it and it's like so basically you're saying that because he's he's black he's a better authority on race or because ben shapiro is jewish he's a better authority so, so you're doing the exact same thing that you accuse identity politics people doing you're playing ident- identity politics you're deferring to the identity as proof of their right or the accuracy of their um, statements but you know I don't think uh, the beauty of to go back to sports I think the beauty of sports is like if you're in the lead you don't really have to play with integrity or well you just have to just run down the clock and I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of what conservatism is pretty much has to do like they're keeping a the tradition alive white men are still on top even though they lost the lead all they have to do is just waste time whereas the losing teams are the ones who actually have to play like flawlessly.
1: Yeah, and they have something to like come back and fight for. Whereas, like, yeah, the, the, yeah, that's a good point. You know, just like passing the ball around, trying to run down the clock. And because it's the status quo, it's just easier to do that. And it's easier to get people to, go along with it because it's the way things have been going forever and if you if you've believed in Republican discourse for a long time you're not going to break from Trump because he's some or the people that are backing him like Tommy Lauren or whoever else like you're not going to break from them because oh they're not moral or whatever you're just going to go along with it because like no they're saying the same stuff that I've always said and thought and there's yeah. no reason to to get away from that now like <laughs> and,
0: and, and, and you know the other thing we're running down the clock too like that's usually when the team brings out like it's you know as big as scrubs you can put anybody in the court that point because it's like okay at this point <laughs> we just want you to dribble and pass around you can get a little bit of practice and then, and maybe that's why they're getting more and more incompetent like a tommy lauren like you know it's, a, it's like just 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 go out there you know yeah um uh, you know j- j- just don't trip on your shoelaces and you'll be fine just just run the clock down
1: yeah i, I wonder know. how many more uh tommy lauren clones we're gonna have to have before we see that you know, before people are getting tired of it. Yeah, I'm I'm very (laughs) curious.
0: I'm very curious myself. I'm very curious myself. But uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, Yeah. I'll let you take this out.
1: Yeah, no, one more comment on Tommy Lauren. It's just weird Mm -hmm. because you see it. I mean, I don't know if you saw these videos that came out a few years ago of her when she was in college and she was like moderating a, it's basically like a news talk show or a debate show. And she was not this character that she is now or this personality that she is now. She was very much like a kind of a straight down the middle news person, just like hosting a debate. And there wasn't any opinions on it. Um, Yeah, they're on the, they were, I think they like kind of surfaced last year or something, but um, it's weird because she's young. I mean, she's my age. I'm I'm 26. I think she's around that age. She's like in her mid 20s. And it's weird to like see her there. And then if you watched her like early videos, like one of her videos that was really popular was um, when she went after Colin Kaepernick, actually, um, the first time that was the one that really like blew her up. And to see her progression from the 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 college debate host to personality that she is now, and all that stuff in between, and a lot of it's kind of out there for consumption, you can see the way in which that uh, you know has corrupted her to some degree. I mean, you know, she's just she's just not, I don't know if she got into news to make a lot of money or the news business to make a lot of money, which is not why most people get into it, but um, she clearly has just made this complete tonal shift. And it's kind of weird to see because I think it mirrors like- uh, this, She clearly wants to be famous. Yeah, I'll it, give her that. Yeah, it, it's some sort of like millennial development. And I think it, what you speak to in terms of like running out the clock, it's like, all right, yeah, bring this person in because she's young and she's pretty and she's gonna appeal to these young people who who haven't been indoctrinated by this whole right-wing discourse forever but she's going to bring the basic like talking points and the me- basically the meme captions to them in a way that they can digest because she's this pretty white girl who's always angry and out of breath <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know yeah yeah okay, okay so yeah i mean i think it's a good place to uh end it. thanks for uh coming on man. i had a great time
1: i did too this was awesome i'd love to do it again i really appreciate it uh, i love the show and it was this was this was really great
0: yeah thanks and everybody even though i'm gonna put it in the show notes anyway but everybody go to btr today check out the daily beat with joe virgilito and it's a pretty it's a pretty good show and a lot of your favorites will uh be on there i was i was uh, surprised i saw a lot of my favorites in the in the archives and also the best part is it's easy to digest daily 15 minute bites so it's uh it's not a like podcast where you can fall behind them like very easily you know it's,
1: yeah we won't take up too much of your time <laughs> keep it real life
0: yeah all right brother thanks for coming on man have a good one appreciate it thank you